Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. I'm sorry if there's ruffling in the background, but I'm wearing a massive jumper slash coat because it is freezing now. Actually, apparently not literally freezing because apparently it's two degrees, but I don't know if I believe that. It's very, very cold. Oh, anyway, I'm going back to Mexico soon, so I shouldn't complain. <laughs> oh, I am a knob. Okay, moving on. Something, okay, something I wanted to discuss to start with, because, you know, I like to just discuss random things to start, was something that I've realised this week with the start of the new EC method. And that is the importance of unlearning. I don't know if this just this week I've realised this, but it's just become very apparent to me and by that I mean like unlearning poor dieting practices questioning previous nutrition and exercise advice working through your limiting beliefs things like I can't lose weight nothing works for me my metabolism is broken I only lose weight when I drop calories really low I this is my least favorite one if you've listened to the previous podcast you'll know why but I have an all or nothing mentality or I'm just a perfectionist And there isn't a quick fix to doing the mindset work behind changing those things. It takes time, it takes patience, it takes intent, which I think a lot of people don't realize. It takes a lot of reassurance, which is why you have coaches, that's what I do. And honestly, sometimes those thoughts will still crop up. It's not like you will never have thoughts like that again, but the difference is that now you can sit with those thoughts question them, work through them, and then choose how you want to act on them or if you want to act on them. That's the hard work and it's quite uncomfortable and it's really tempting to go back to your comfort zone, which is exactly what I was talking about in the last podcast or the one before that, the last solo podcast. And you're going back to what you know and you're going back to over-restriction, but leaning into this uncomfortable change is where growth is. And once you begin questioning your thoughts, you can choose and change how you respond to them. And you can't change something that you're not conscious of. So being aware of your thoughts is the first step. And this is like essential work that needs to be done if you want to work on emotional eating or mindless eating or boredom eating or binge eating. You have to identify the problem before you can change it. And you have to realize that you are eating to numb your emotions before you can then choose to change that. So if you've done that, and if you've noticed that's what you do, like, well done, that is the first step. And the rest of the journey won't be linear. And sometimes it will probably feel like you aren't making progress or there'll be times where you feel like you're going backwards or it's painful and it's uncomfortable. And it's easier actually to go back to the over-restriction to something that you know but if you always do that then you will always be in a yo-yo cycle and actually you know what fixing things is hard for example it's harder to go out of your way to find the source of a leak and fix it and actually fix the pipe or whatever it is that's causing the leak than it is just to throw a bucket under it and that's true in the short term But that also means that you have to constantly keep changing the bucket or jumping on yo-yo diets, like jumping on and off diets. 
it will take time and effort and probably a little bit of money to find where that leak is coming from and to fix that leak. In other words, to get to the bottom of why you're overeating and fix that problem and work on that problem. But once you've done that, you can move on with your life. You don't have to worry about the leak anymore. You won't be constantly emptying the bucket and worrying about longer term damage that the damp might cause to the ceiling or consequences of your continued yo-yo dieting. Did you like that analogy? Don't know who I'm talking to myself, obviously. I did. Thank you. Um, Anyway, (laughs) I'm not saying it's as easy as fixing a leak. Like it's a bit of a crude analogy, but it's still, still quite a good one, you know? And the process likely won't be linear and not as linear as fixing a leak. Although saying that I have had a leak in my flat. I had a leak actually, it is past tense now, it's finally fixed. But it literally took years because they couldn't find out where it was coming from. And it did actually get better before it got worse. I'm sorry, it got worse before it got better. And that's pretty common when you're working through emotional issues or personal issues. For example, my first therapy session was fine like not really anything to report like yeah actually there's just not that much to say about it and then I quite enjoyed my second one and then I would say like three four five were horrible and I actually felt worse but after like after that then I did begin to feel better and the point being is that you need to go through the shit so don't give up if it's hard or if it feels uncomfortable because progress is rarely linear Okay, so with that little self-development pep talk out of the way, today I actually want to talk about, um, what did I want to talk about? Oh yeah, I was going to cover five of the most common dieting mistakes. I actually added one, so it's now six of the most common dieting mistakes that I want everyone listening to this to avoid. Because there seems to be a lot of people starting diets at this time of year. I know, shocking, who would have thought January? (laughs) But I obviously absolutely buzz off it, people making positive changes, people improving their health. Maybe it's because I have a lot of content at the moment. Maybe it's because there are a lot of interested ears, a lot of people who are motivated to change and who are asking brilliant questions. I don't know, but it's fantastic and it gives me even more inspiration and motivation to try and reach and help as many people as possible whether that is directly via coaching by the way commit to six uh, will be open at the end of the month or free over the podcast or free at the free resources section of my website or free on social media twice a day every day if not three times a day so you know there's there's loads of things anyway moving on my first point my first thing that you should avoid or my first what was I calling these um common mistakes yeah okay my first common mistake is taking calorie calculators too seriously if you put this simply well to put it simply calorie calculators are simple human biology and and more importantly human behavior is not simple if you look at the estimations from calorie calculators, they can be up to like four or 500 calories wrong, as in inaccurate. And that could be your whole deficit. And this isn't even including inaccuracies in the actual tracking of calories. So this is just an inaccuracy in measuring your energy expenditure. 
And I'm actually gonna, you know, people get a bit confused by that and they're like, right, well, where should I start then? I'm not actually against using calorie calculators. They will probably give you a relatively sensible start point, but you just have to make sure that you trust your body over the calorie calculator. And by that, I mean, as much as they are usually a decent start point, you need to then be consistent and adapt given the results, given your results. So if you are consistently sticking to your calories for fat loss and you're not losing weight over time, and I mean over time, not two weeks, like over a decent amount of time of being consistent, then in fact, two weeks would be a decent amount of time to be fair. (laughs) Not two days anyway. At least like be patient and be consistent. And if you're not losing weight, then you are not in a deficit. And then you might need to lower your calories or increase your expenditure or a combination of the two. So you could, if you're starting out on your own, go and look at a calorie calculator, get a decent starting point, stick to it for at least two weeks consistently, monitor your weight, monitor your measurements, monitor your performance, see what happens, and then adjust as you go. Like that's the only way really to start. But I think people get so caught up on these and the amount of questions I get saying, this calorie calculator said this and this one said this, so where should I start? And like normally I'm like, go for somewhere in the middle. The start point's basically irrelevant anyway. It's where you go from there that matters. It just needs to be sensible. And some of them, this is why I said, they're usually sensible because some of them aren't. And part of that is often user error because a lot of the time there's an option of like, do you want rapid fat loss? And people are like, oh, fast results. Mm, of course I want those. And like, so do I, so does everyone. If someone's like, oh, I can, we can do this faster. You're like, yeah, but it doesn't say at what cost. And the cost to that is often adherence, which actually means it's not faster. If the, like realistically, I'm sure I'll get in trouble for saying this, but realistically, the lower your calories are, the bigger the deficit you create and thus, the more body fat you lose. Like that is essentially how losing body fat works because body fat is just a store of energy. And if there's a bigger deficit that needs to be made up from your own store of energy, you will lose more body fat. However, as I said, calculators are simple, human behavior is not. And what happens when you over restrict is you tend to overindulge. So if you drop your calories massively, it's unlikely you're gonna be able to stick to that for a long period of time. So that's my first one don't take calorie calculators too seriously. The second one is kind of links to that actually, over-restricting. Because over-restricting tends to lead to overindulgence, which again, shocking. I'm sure no one's heard this if they've been listening to the podcast. But the point here is it isn't lack of willpower. It isn't lack of discipline. It is simply being human. And if you over-restrict yourself, the likelihood is you will overindulge. So you might be trying to speed up the process, and I get the appeal of that. But paradoxically, dropping your calories low because you want quick results will actually make the journey, the journey, will actually make the process longer and far less enjoyable. And unfortunately, you'll have to trust me on this, but you will still have to come back and practice moderation eventually. Like there's no real getting around it. And you can save yourself a lot of time and effort and a bit of like heartbreak when the things don't work out by doing it the right way first and not looking for quick fixes. So two is over restriction. Number three 
is eating back the calories from exercise. So I did a post on this this week and the crux of it is Fitbits, Apple Watches, Garmin's, etc., are all massively inaccurate in their measurement of energy expenditure. So how much energy you use generally, but also during exercise. And the problem with them is they aren't even consistently inaccurate. So your Fitbit or I mean, Apple Watch, Fitbit, whatever, your step counter, whatever you're using to count your steps is probably also inaccurate, but it doesn't matter because it's probably inaccurate to, I don't know, within 500 odd steps. And it doesn't matter. Like you have data to go off. It's not the, the reason it doesn't matter is because it's consistently inaccurate. So whether it's always telling you that you do 5% less steps than you actually do, as long as it's consistently telling you that, it really doesn't matter. It's just a consistent data point. The problem with the energy expenditure on things like Fitbits, Apple Watches, etc., is it's not consistently inaccurate. Probably wouldn't matter quite as much if it was always telling you that you burn X amount of calories for X amount of work, but it's not, it's not doing that. So using steps as a crude measure of energy expenditure is a pretty useful tool, but I would not pay attention at all to calories burnt and certainly do not add these onto the calories for the day or you will likely find that you're not in a deficit. Not only will you likely find you're not in a deficit, but it's a really easy trap to fall into to then be like, oh, I've gone a bit over my calories. Oh, I'll just go for a run or I'm going to have to earn my calories back. And that's actually just a really horrible way to think about exercise and can get you into a really bad relationship with food and exercise. So I would just turn that off. I mean, if you're listening to this and you already work with me, the reason I want you to turn that off is because I've accounted for your exercise in your calorie targets already. So if you then turn that back on, you're eating back calories that I've always account- already accounted for. Um, but generally, yes, it's going to over overestimate the amount of energy that you've expended and thus you might eat that back and then that means that you're not in a deficit despite trying to do everything right and I speak to so many people who are in that situation and it's just really frustrating for them because they're like I feel like I'm doing everything and I'm not getting results and it's like yeah this is so annoying because you are doing everything you've just been a little bit misled absolutely not people's fault because it is very misleading because it says add these calories back on so there's an option on my fitness pal to turn that off which I would recommend. Number four is impatience. So giving up because you're impatient will, again, a little bit of a paradox, only make it take longer. And when when I say that out loud, I'm like, it's so obvious. Like the more times you give up, of course, it's going to take longer to then get the results that you're looking for. But it doesn't mean that we don't still do it. And I think when you are faced with that logically, like, okay, if you give up on your diet again now, That just means that if you still want to get those results, you're you're putting everything on hold. And in fact, you might take a couple of steps back and then have to start again. And when it's something as important as your health, it's not like you're going to change your mind. It's not the same as like a sunk cost. Like, I don't know, a friend of mine started a degree and realized they didn't like it at all. So they quit. But that's that's not being impatient because they're not then going to start again. If it's something that you know you're going to start again, like do not quit on it. I have recently changed my mind a little bit about patience and impatience and I think that people who seem to have a lot of patience do so because they aren't waiting. 
and you don't need patience if you're not waiting. And I've thought about this myself, like when people ask about like, how long does it take to build muscle? Like, oh, like, how do I know if I'm getting results? And there's all this kind of element of um, impatience. And I realized like I'm not impatient about how long it's going to take me to build muscle because one, I'm going to do it no matter how long it takes. And two, I'm not waiting. Like, it's not, it's not like I'm like, oh, I'll wait until like, I build muscle to do X and I'm not waiting for anything. I'm just living. And while I'm living, I'm also lifting weights in the hope of building some muscle. So the reason that people get impatient is because they are putting their life on hold for fat loss. And one of the most common questions I get is how long will it take? And the people asking usually know that there isn't like a definitive answer I can give. And I would question, does it even matter? Like, if I told you it was going to take twice as long, does that mean you wouldn't do it? And I'm willing to bet that that isn't the case. And that's true for a lot of people who are trying to build muscle as well, which is actually a much longer process than losing body fat. If I told you that it was going to take twice as long, would you still do it? Yeah, you, you would still do it. So stop kind of ruining your enjoyment of the process by worrying about how long it's going to take. Once you accept that it will take as long as it takes and you start really enjoying the journey, (laughs) the journey, (laughs) and more to the point, living your life while you also build muscle, or while you also lose body fat, if you can do that, then you don't need patience, so maybe it's not patience you need, it's a bit of a reframe, you need to accept that it will take as long as it takes, and know that nothing incredible will happen when you get there, you won't feel magically different at your quote-unquote goal weight and if you are miserable along the way you will be miserable with less fat as well so the point of life in general is to enjoy it like enjoy the journey and enjoy your life is too short not to but enjoying your life means working towards your goals enjoying your life isn't always about short-term gratification which is probably the immediate thought process that most people come to when they hear someone saying, just enjoy yourself. And, and essentially they mean like, oh, just like, just enjoy yourself now and forget the future. You will enjoy your life much more if you work towards your long-term goals. So take home from point four, live your life and let fat loss happen as a side project. Like it doesn't need to take up your whole life you don't need to put your life on hold for this magical time when you weigh a different weight and then suddenly everything will be different it won't be different you'll just have a little bit less body fat number five is misplaced effort so many people don't need more effort they just need more focus and it may, not, it may not be that you need to necessarily work harder, but you need to work a bit smarter. And you don't get any awards for making fat loss harder than it needs to be. So what we really want to do is concentrate your effort where it matters the most and where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck in terms of results for your effort. So don't worry about meal timing, specific foods or macros or trying to hit certain targets of faster training or trying to be quote unquote perfect. Instead, focus your efforts where you're going to get the most out of them. And that will be different depending on what your goal is. But I mean, primarily for fat loss, it's going to be creating a deficit. 
and not worrying too much about exactly how you create that deficit or it being the exact same deficit and calorie target every single day or you hitting your exact step target every day. Like understanding the underlying mechanism, which is, I mean, a good way to think about it would be your deficit over the week. That's what you should be focusing on for fat loss. And don't worry too much if that means that you eat a little bit more one day and a little bit less another day. That should be your average over time is what matters. And you don't need to be anywhere near perfect to lose body fat. And trying to be perfect will only trip you up. And part of the reason it trips you up is because there isn't a perfect anyway. (laughs) You're trying to be this ideal that doesn't even exist, especially when it comes to diet. Which leads me on to number six, which is trying to be perfect. And we often think that if we can stick to this like imaginary, perfect diet we will get the best results but trying to be perfect and setting unrealistic targets is the enemy of consistency as soon as you fall short or miss one day you'll end up giving up and as i've already said the more often you give up the longer it will take and the person with consistently and the person with a consistently imperfect approach will end up overtaking you. You might lose more weight in the first week with over restriction, but you'll end up burning out. Uh, The analogy I like for this is, it's like sprinting at the start of a marathon. Sure, you'll be out in front at the start, but you're certainly not gonna win the race if you start sprinting for the first 100 meters. You will be overtaken by anyone who's actually pacing themselves, i.e. taking a moderate approach that's actually maintainable. No one cares who's winning the marathon 100 meters in, much like no one cares how much weight you lose in the first week of your over-restrictive diet. So those are my six common dieting, um, why can't I think of words today? Six common dieting mistakes that I would like all of you to avoid. If you need any help with this, head over to esgfitness.co.uk. I have some free resources on my website. You can also sign up to the waiting list of Commit to Six, which will open at the end of January. And guys, you can now rate the podcast on Spotify and it would make my day if you would rate the podcast. If you're someone who's like, I've always listened on Spotify. Maybe it's time to give back a little now. Now's your chance. You can rate the podcast now. And I would genuinely really, really, really appreciate it. Also, a couple of people messaged me saying that they shared the... Uh, January, the start of January podcast with some of their friends who were thinking about going on over-restrictive detox type diets and I really appreciate that as well. So if you've listened to this and you think it might help any of your friends or family, please do share and if you do share on Instagram, please do tag me at ESG Fitness and aside from that, just have lovely days.